This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. Welcome to Do Try This at Home. Caleb here, just jumping in before the podcast starts. We recorded season one of this podcast over the last few months before we knew exactly what the show was going to be, or even that it'd be following a, a seasonal format. So things kind of change as the show goes on and also we didn't have any social media accounts when we were recording so if you want to get in contact or if you want to follow us or get any more information about the show follow us on twitter and instagram at do try this pod and we'll have updates on season one and potential future seasons through those accounts right on with the show take it away tom in the words of henry hamilton don't waste my time. Welcome back to the Do Try This At Home <laughs> podcast. Folks at home, we're, we are definitely trying. Some films are mediocre, so bad they make you moan. We're here to save the cinema, we do try this at home. Welcome back to the Do Try This At Home podcast, the podcast where we take films that underperformed and we rewrite them on the fly. I'm Caleb Barron, your co-host, and I'm joined as always by the other co-host, my dear friend, Harrison Gale. How are you doing, Harrison? How am I doing? Uh, I'm hanging in there, which I guess is like as much as anybody can say right now. How are you? Yeah. Uh, I guess also hanging in there. Yeah. If that, How are you? If that's, yeah. If, if, that's, if, if hanging in there is as much as I can say right now, then yeah, I'm hanging in there. Well, good to hear that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm um, happy to hear it. <laughs> well, anyway. I'm glad to hear that you're hanging in there. Yeah. Good. <laughs> We're Anyway. <laughs> uh, Back boy. to business. Back we got to a business. podcast episode to do. This, this week, we're, we're looking at uh, the 2011's film. <laughs> what would you describe it as? Sci-fi, dystopian uh, drama? Yeah, I mean, I would even say like sci-fi or dystopian sci-fi action. Flip. Yeah, okay. I'll allow that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll allow it. We're looking at In Time. The 2011 yeah. film, uh, it was written and directed by Andrew Nichol, who worked on Truman Show and other things like that. And Gattaca. Uh, he's and, a sci-fi guy. He is a sci-fi guy. Um, high concept sci-fi guy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it was shot by Roger Deakins, who, yeah, is a big deal right now. Or was already at this point, but is, you know, I, I think, I would say he's reaching the sort of prime of his career. Um He's he's doing pretty well, mm-hmm. um, and it, it stars Justin Timberlake, Amanda Seyfried, Seyfried, Seyfried. I can't believe she's been famous for this long, and neither of us figured out <laughs> how to pronounce her name. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, like Killian Murphy, Olivia Wilde, Alex Pettifer, other people. Um, Harrison, what what's this film about? What is this film about? So actually, um, the the concept of this film is pretty concise. So it, it takes place in the future, twenty one sixty nine. Does um, it tell us that it's twenty one sixty nine? 
I don't think so, but that's oh, according okay. to the uh, publicly available synopsis. <laughs> there you are. But, but okay. it is it is very much implied to take place sometime in like a distant future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's set in the distant future, and uh, as a voiceover of Justin Tim- not Justin Timberlake himself, but his character. <laughs> That's Will. my favorite like joke. Will Solace. Of like, <laughs> like oh Tim- yeah, anytime you see an actor in a movie, it's just yeah. them. Like it's just them. them. It's just um, them. <laughs> anyway, so uh, the voiceover of Will Salas, Justin Timberlake's character in the film, um, we learn that people it, we're it's a it's a society where people are genetically engineered to stop aging when they turn 25. But the catch is that from that point on, they only have uh, a year to live based off of like a a biologically engineered clock that dictates how long they have left to live. Uh, But that time is now used as currency. So uh, wealthier people have more time to live uh, but they can exchange that time for goods and services, uh, whereas um, people who are living in poorer areas uh, typically don't have more than a day, day's worth of time on them. Yeah, they're living uh, at day any, to day. Yeah, at any given time. Yeah. Right, so it's sort of like their analog to like living pay to, paycheck to paycheck. Um, yeah, and, and it's a pretty clear analogy for the current sort of capitalist society. Mm-hmm. And, but not only is it an analogy for that, but it, it suggests an end point for that or, you know, a, a kind of a, an extension of that, that kind of, it becomes visible, the differences between the upper and lower classes, more visible than it might be now. Um, right. Which is what's interesting about this concept is it it's giving us a visibility to class that you can't necessarily have right now. I mean, I, I would argue there still are, you know, visible signs, but it, it, it's kind of like it's there tattooed on your arm. And and that's kind of like the concept. How, yeah. The, the sort of what the concept's doing as far as I, I can see. Um, yeah. And, and so we follow Will Solace and basically, you know, he's a working guy uh, in the sort of lowest tier, the lowest zone, um, and he's struggling to make ends meet. Uh, his mom has just turned 50, but she still looks 25 because that's how it works. Um, and, right. uh, <laughs> and, you know, she's like sort of, you know, they're, they're both running low on time. Um, and then he, in a bar, meets this guy who has a sentry on his arm. Um, and basically he saves that guy from um, these guys, the Minutemen, who are trying to kill him. Um, and and they're, like a, they're like a gang. So yeah, they, they go around like, yeah. harassing people um, and potentially killing them for their time to steal yeah. from them. Yeah. Um, it really gives a new meaning to killing time. No one uses Hello. that in this. No one yeah. uses that in for this For all of the dumb phrases that we hear in this movie, no <laughs> one says, ah, I got time to kill or something <laughs> yeah, to that effect. Exactly, yeah. Which would've, that would have been cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially... Uh, I was going to get straight into criticism. We'll leave it. So anyway, yeah, the guy um, who he saves gives him the sentry because basically this guy is essentially immortal and he's had enough and he wants to die. So he gives him Will Solace the sentry and Will 
basically fails to meet his mum in time and she dies because all of the prices are being jacked up. So he decides he's going to go after the establishment. He's going to go after the upper classes. He's going to use his century to go and hit them where it hurts, essentially. Then he goes there. He plays a game of poker and wins a bunch more years. And then he meets Amanda Seyfried's character, who is the daughter of a very, very wealthy man. And then through some events, which I, I don't know, like this is the bit of the film where it kind of begins to fall apart. Mm -hmm. um, but basically they end up sort of becoming this sort of Bonnie and Clyde type duo. Right. Um, but they have a sort of Robin Hood philosophy. So they, they steal from the rich and they give to the poor. And then the film kind of like reaches this climax where they go and they steal a million years from um, the dad of Amanda Seyfried. And, uh, and then they give Vincent it... Carthizer. <laughs> At the height of his uh, Mad Men fame. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then they, they give it away. And then um, this whole time, Killian Murphy's been after them. He's a timekeeper. He's basically the police. Um, and they manage to kind of get rid of him. And then they sort of drive off into the sunset type thing at the end. Um, yeah. I mean, you said it, you think it, it's a solid concept. I mean, let's talk about the stuff that we like in this film, the stuff we'd want to keep if we were rewriting this. Yeah, I think this this is going to be a, a, a different discussion than we've had in past episodes, just because I think, like, I think there is so much that I did really like about it. And I think, yeah. I think the first 40 minutes of the film works really well. Um, you know, there's, like, a very clear... Like, I think the, the conceit is clear and yeah. workable... Um, and has a lot of like interesting implications that could be explored. Um, I think, you know, there's a, there's a clear like inciting incident of like this, this one weird day where all of a sudden like Will Salas comes into a lot of money from, from this one guy. Yeah. Um, and, and then we're also given um, an emotional arc for him instigated by like you know and making his fight to get more time and to give it back to the people very personal because it's it's because of this system that his mother dies or times out when she runs out of time yes um, so i think i think the first part of it does work really well and it's interesting to see him like you know move through um these various time zones, as they're called within the film, of various areas that are yeah. separated by um, economic uh, affluence. Um, and, I, and I think all of that, like, I think the world building in the first part of the film is really effective. I also want to, like, I also want to point out that stylistically, I thought, I mean, and it makes total sense that it's, uh, you know, Roger Deakins at, at the helm of the cinematography, but I thought the cinematography yeah. and the color grading was beautiful, and it was so refreshing to see uh, a sci-fi movie that isn't just, like, green and gray all the time. Like, there was so yeah. much color in this movie. Well, yeah, there was, but there was also a lot of green and gray, but I would say that it was used more effectively than I have seen it used in most other sci-fi films from around the 2005 to the 2015 2020 mark um, yeah for sure like, I'll, like it, I'll give you that it is using that but it's it's using it in an effective way um mm -hmm. which i think most other films from this time aren't but i'd agree there's a lot more color in it than you would see in a lot of these sort of mid-budget sci-fi films 
um, from that time. And, and I mm-hmm. think, yeah, you can see in Roger Deakins' cinematography that, that this is someone who cares about the way that this world is shot and the way that it looks. Yes. Um, I think there are some issues in the design more broadly that we can maybe get onto. Sure. I think there are some weaknesses, but again, I think that they come later in the film. And I think you're completely right that, that this sort of early, you know, early on in the film, the, the the kind of the way the concept is set up, the way we see the world building, the way we are, the way we're first introduced to these characters um, is interesting and, and has a lot of promise in it. Um, but it does kind of fall apart once he decides to travel through the time zones to New Greenwich. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, my first argument of a, an improvement that could be made is to aim for his mother's death not to be the end of the first act, to, but to be the end of the second act. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would like to see, basically, I'd like to see a first act that shows Will's day-to-day, but also his mother's day-to-day. Right. Um, and maybe there can be some kind of minor inciting incident for example, paying back a loan that brings a sense of urgency and a, a sense of danger into the first act, but they overcome it. And then at the end of the first act is when Will meets um, Henry Hamilton, the, the guy with a century, who's played mm-hmm. by Matt Bomer, who is a decent actor. And I thought, you know, the fact that he was in this film for about five minutes was a bit of a shame because he's he's pretty solid. Yeah. And, and what I would like to see the second act being is Will and his mama separated by the fact that she has to go and work two days elsewhere. And in that time, um, Henry Hamilton is following Will Solace around to make sure he's the guy he wants to give a century to. Yeah. So rather, rather than it be like just randomly he gives this guy a century and then he kills himself, actually he's come to... It's like a final act of philanthropy by that guy. Right. But what we see is that philanthropy doesn't do enough. Giving one mm-hmm. guy a century can't ever achieve enough. Um which is part of what the sort of lesson of this film is. Um, So then the second act would be um, Henry Hamilton getting to know Will Solace and choosing to give him the century. But at the end of the second act, um, despite all of that, and despite him earning that that time, he he can't save his Mm mum. And then that's the, that's the inciting incident rather than for the whole of the film, just for the third act. And at that moment, we see him go through the time zones to kind of take on the, um, take on the the sort of wealthy establishment. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what you think of that, but I think, you know, often on this podcast, you know, we're saying like, oh, this film's two and a half hours or this film's like, you know, pushing two hours. It should be shorter. I could, I could happily have this film run for two hours, just over two hours. Yeah. If we were making more of the world and more of the characters. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, and I think because it's so high concept, like yeah. I think, I think that, Let's. It gives it permission to uh, draw things out a little bit more, just because you know it's a new world that we're being introduced to. We're learning the yeah. rules of it, and there's. I mean, the idea that that the life's your lifespan becomes a currency. I think that has mm. so many like political and economic and social implications that we get i think we get to a taste of to a degree yeah. in this film which i think is perhaps maybe the most interesting part of it for me yeah, but yeah. um but we don't see enough of like how those 
mechanisms play out in this new exactly. world it, it, that you feel like you're missing something. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And there's certain moments where I think they're really making the most of that idea of that sort of stop clock that is your life and also that as currency. The, mm-hmm. the one moment that I really think of is the moment where Henry Hamilton is committing suicide. He's sat on the bridge. We see his arm and it says 12 seconds left and then it cuts to his face and we hear the click of every 12 seconds, like mm-hmm. every second of those 12 seconds. And I, I really like that because a, a lesser film would have skipped a couple of those seconds. Um, mm-hmm. But this film, we hear every single click and then we watch him die. And I think it gives you a sense of, well, of what that time is and how long 12 seconds is. And, you know, the, the part of the problem with this film is as soon as we start hearing like, oh, this person's got a century, this person's got a thousand years, we can't even conceive of that as that time. Right. If we had more time spent with the people who only have a day every day, Mm-hmm. we'd have more of an idea of the stakes of what this time means. Right. And then when we meet these people in that third act or in, you know, later in the film, at least in the second half of the film, we would see, oh, wow, this is what a thousand years looks like. And this is the kind of comfort that that wealth gives you. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that would be really interesting. Yeah. It sort of reminds me of uh, the discussion that we were having on uh, about uh, Man of Steel that, uh, one of its flaws was that the, the the final conflict was on such a grand scale that it was it, it's impossible for an audience to really wrap their heads around like yeah. what that means of like yeah. you know the world being destroyed like it's so abstract that like obviously yes that's a scary threat but it's so big that you can't really conceive of what that is yeah. um, but I do like that we spend so much time with people on the bottom rungs that are that like to them an hour two hours um or even you know getting as you were saying getting down to seconds um means everything um and i think like you know again with i think your suggestion of rearranging when will's mother dies um like you know placing the death at the end of the second act rather than the first um but I, I think, though, that sequence leading up to her death where she doesn't have enough money for, well, money, time for the for the bus, for her bus fare, um, yeah. but the amount of time that it's going to take her, physical time that it will take for her to walk, it's also not enough. And, yeah. Uh, you know, but I also, thought that, the, the, yeah. the amount of physical time it would take to walk is what it's going to cost to take the bus as well. Right. Which is such an, uh, that's such a clever, mm-hmm. you know, in our economy, we can decide which to sacrifice our money or our time. In this, you can't decide which to sacrifice. Right. Um, and I found that same. really interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Carry on. Oh, no, well, uh, all that. I was going to say was, was pretty much just that, that I think that was such a clever, um, and, and, and also thought-provoking way of, you know, leading up to her death. Like, what is, you know, yeah. I think there's, like, you can say in a story, okay, well, you know, okay, and then then his mom is going to die at this point, but you can make it even more poignant and make that event work even more for the story, depending on the circumstances of why and how she dies. And I think, yeah. I think in that sense, the film did that very well. But I agree that, that I would position it in a, at a different point. In, yeah. in, in the timeline. Yeah, and, and, it, and it didn't feel, like, as a situation, it didn't feel too contrived, 
which I really like because it could so easily have been. But what I really liked about it, because I'm, I was watching it leading up to it, and I, I saw this film for the first time, you know, probably about eight years ago. Um, and I haven't seen it since. And I was thinking leading up to that, oh, you know, is this really contrived? Because he's already got the sentry on his arm. You know, it, how, surely he could just save his mum. But the point is that he's just expecting her to see, expecting to see her at the bus stop. Mm-hmm. He's not expecting her. And that that setup isn't contrived, but it it does put our hero in a situation where he has no idea that his mum's in trouble. And mm-hmm. that's really effective. Um, and I think, again you know, making more of that by seeing more of his mum's life, seeing her day to day, seeing how she works, seeing the lead up to her having, you know, maybe when she goes to pay off the loan, it's more to pay off than she realized. And she's like having to make compromises there. And then when Mm -hmm. she gets to the bus, it's more than she realized. And he has to make another compromise there by running rather than by paying for the bus. And, and so we, we build a sense of impending doom for her. And we also, know that character better so we don't Mm -hmm. want to see her gone and I think that that would make it a much more effective well inciting incident for Will to then go and take on the establishment Um, right yeah and and also like yeah make more of Olivia Wilde she's a great performer yeah absolutely she's got like five minutes screen time whereas that's such a argue exactly (laughs) I would argue the people who are the best actors in this film get the least amount of screen time yeah it's so bizarre I, I feel like I'd like kind of once we figured out the story to talk about casting because I think actually mm-hmm. although we don't often talk about it casting is a big issue of this film um, and it would I be agree, worth yeah. getting onto that at some point um, so yeah so we, we move the mum's death later I think that's good mm-hmm. um, and then I think we kind of need to rewrite the third act um, yeah for sure but, but basically I, you were talking about scale and I think that's so important and I think the difference between this and Man of Steel is Man of Steel it's Superman against all odds as in like it has to be this huge world ending threat because we mm-hmm. want to see Superman overcome something massive whereas with this it's our hero doing the damage so actually what right. would be more interesting is to see him think he's doing you know doing something that is a world ending threat but actually in the end the system survives and he's mm-hmm. just a blip in the you know in in the the machine that just keeps trundling along and that would be a more effective a bleaker but a more effective way of thinking about the capitalist system which is what this film is trying to capture yeah um and i I think they they start to sort of get onto that um yeah and they they're they're like skirting around it because they uh you know uh the woman that uh, Will teams up with, Sylvia, who's played by uh, Amanda Seyfried. Let's say, that. <laughs> Let's say that's how it's pronounced for now. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> Sylvia, which I thought was such a jarring name to give this woman, but that's Honestly, another yeah. story. So so um, much of this was quite jarring because our main character is called Will, a normal name, yeah, and then his best, totally friend is called, name. his best friend is called Borrell. <laughs> And then on top of that, he's just <laughs> Leonard from yeah. The Big Bang Theory. But, but it's him playing against type, but you just see him yeah, as true. Leonard from The Big Bang Theory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, oh man, Le- Leonard's had it really rough. Yeah, it's um, like, past oh, Leonard, years. he really hit the bottle. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, at any rate, so um, Will uh, and Sylvia sort of team up as you said before is this bonnie and clyde type duo stealing time from time banks i forget what they're what they're really called in the film but something like yeah time banks banks. but um (laughs) sylvia is the daughter of 
um, uh, Philippe Weiss. I don't know why it's Philippe, but that's how it's spelled. Um, it's Philippe. Philippe Weiss, played by Vincent Carthizer, who I guess is like sort of like like a CEO of a Goldman Sachs type yeah, figure. He's either Goldman or Sachs. Yeah. He's either Goldman or Sachs, or he's like a, like a Jamie Diamond or something. Yeah, yeah. And and he is like you know top banking guy and has his own personal vaults of millions and millions of years. Um, so they uh, you know they they wind up stealing a million dollars for him in the third act, and you know he, it, I mean. It, and we get the sense that it is kind of just a blip to a degree because if they have like these millions of years and then at the, in the final shot they're like Will and Sylvia are running up the steps into to perform another robbery in this like huge massive bank which I yeah. you know it must have been a CGI shot because it's just this building yeah. is so big. Um, and you sort of think like, man, like, could they even steal enough time that it would make a difference? You yeah. know, I don't know. But, yeah. um, but I feel like, you know, it's approaching that premise, but I don't think it's the most effective way of doing it. And I would even argue that the whole like Bonnie and Clyde type, um, uh, I guess like, uh, trope. You could yeah. say that whole trope, I think it it turns it into like just another action movie, which is yeah. such a bummer for it me stinks. because I feel like you could you could <sighs> do so many other things with this. Yeah. Like really, I think what's really a brilliant concept and a pretty interesting conceit. And then it just turns it into another action movie of like car chases and bank robberies. There's also the implication that by having Sylvia as part of that duo, it's this, you know, what what the film becomes is, oh, poor guy goes into rich neighborhood, rich girl, you know, is interested in him because he's different, he's exotic, he's poor, you know, and then she <laughs> he's gets... different she because gets, he's poor. Exactly. <laughs> she gets thrown into being poor and she sees what it's really like, but, it, you know... It's kind of poverty tourism because she could always go back to her dad whenever right. she wanted to. And then she decides she's going to do good. You know, by shifting the focus halfway through the film onto her, which we kind of do, like it's still Will's film, but we do shift the focus onto her. How does she feel? What does she think of all of these things? Um, you know, we're making another film about a rich person mm -hmm. rather than making what I think would be more interesting is a, a very sort of like angry, bitter anti-capitalist film that is like the sole focus is on a working class character just going out to get revenge. And this mm -hmm. is what this could have been is a revenge flick rather than some weird, like heist action, sci-fi dystopia mess. You know what I mean? Right. I, I think what would be much more interesting is they, you know, this idea that it's like, they killed my mom. I'm going after them, but actually in the end, in that third act, he tries to hit them hard, but he doesn't even know who to hit. Mm -hmm. And that's that's how the system works. Who are the, the kind of big dogs? How can I actually make an impact? In some ways, he can't. And I think that that would be yeah. a more interesting direction to take this film in. Yeah, I mean, I think you could even you could even keep the character of Sylvia. Just please give her a different name. <laughs> you, could even, you could even keep Sylvia. And yeah. then... Um, you know, but then I think what might make it 
more interesting and less like about suddenly about the character arc of a rich person, you could like have a moment, you know, in, in the third act where like, you know, this is the moment where they're going to, you know, where they think that they're going to do something that's going to, you know, end the system. But, you know, counts on her to, to do something and she chokes at the last minute and is like, you know, I don't want to, you know, when, when you're finally up at, you know, at the pearly gates, you're like, I don't yeah. want to do this anymore because that's how rich people are like, um, <laughs> yeah. you, know, they, they, yeah. you know, she doesn't want to leave the privilege and then, you know, then it, the focus returns to him because yeah. this whole time he's thought, oh, you know, I have a comrade and, you know, she's just like the rest of them. Yeah, or or even I might be more interested in, you know, he brings her along for the ride and she, you know, gets, I don't even think it needs to get as far as like them going back to the ghetto and her getting the experience of being poor. I, I don't yeah. think that that works necessarily, but I think it could even be like he brings her along for the ride because he knows that she's interested in him because he's poor, but then mm -hmm. he just uses that and uses right. her position of privilege. Um, and And she's like, you're a terrible person because you just use me. And he's like, well, you oh, know, really? I've, got to, I've, I've got to find the way in. And <laughs> what does it matter if I use you? Because, you know, you're not going to be hurt by this. And I think yeah. that might be an even more interesting. We never even need to shift the focus onto her, but it's always that she is a, for Will, she's a, a means to an end it, because actually whatever, he knows that whatever happens, she's going to be fine. Yeah. And, and, and that's the big difference between those two characters. And you can show that by the way that Will is willing to kind of play with her as a, as a buffer for him because uh, her wealth is his protection. Um, and I think that that would kind of be a, a, an interesting way of using her. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean. And also so subverting I, that yeah. trope that we've, ex we've come to expect of like, yeah. Oh, you know, uh, the, like the the rich girl sees sees what it's really like of how the other half lives and turns yeah. turns good or you know yeah, again I, the Bonnie Clyde so trope yeah. yeah you can totally subvert that and say like ah ha ha you you thought that we were teaming up this whole time but I see yeah. right through you and I was just using you yeah and I like that as well because like part of my problem with this film is that Will is too much of a nice guy yeah like. I, I like the idea that he's a nice enough guy that he, you know, he wants to help this guy who's got a century and he's like, you know, I want to look after you. I want to make sure you're not killed by the Minutemen. That's fine. I like that as an idea. But actually when he meets someone who has a thousand years on the clock and, know, and knows that her dad has like millions of years in the vault, mm -hmm. like maybe that's a point where he snaps and, and no longer is he just a nice guy, but he's willing to just do anything to cause some kind of like rupture in the system. Right. I think that I, he... He is too nice, and that's not that interesting. That he's he's one dimensional because all he can do is just be a, a good bloke, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that actually like works to the detriment of Justin Timberlake's performance because I yeah. think he does better with characters that have something a little bit off about them, which is why I think like especially his performance in the social network was so good because yeah like there's yeah. obviously you know sean parker has like something sketchy about him and i think justin timberlake is really good at balancing that quality with like being cool because he he's had to he's had to learn you know, as anyone in, in that position of, of sort of like pop star has mm -hmm. to, he's had to learn how to like control his persona. 
Right. And so to use that control he has over his persona against him, so make it obvious that he's controlling his persona, like they do in the social network, mm-hmm. makes for a much more interesting performance. In this, he's too earnest, and it's yeah. not interesting. He, and I think, actually, if if it was that, like, he had this persona that he put on in front of rich people, but that at the drop of a hat, he could just turn into, like, this bitter, angry person who who is willing to do anything to kind of you know, better his situation or to to take down the the system, that would be so much more of an interesting performance. And I think you could get that performance out of Justin Timberlake. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think it's, yeah. yeah, it's the same. I think it's, that's a, a, you know, a similar reason as to why Parasite is such a compelling film and the characters yeah. are so compelling because we, we see that the, the, you know, the, the poorer family, you know, we come to like them as people, yeah. you know, we, we want them to get away with it. Um, and what they're doing yeah. isn't, you know, sh- tricking this, uh, very wealthy family isn't strictly kosher either. Um, yeah. so it makes them really interesting characters to watch because they, you know, go from just, uh, going along with, uh, you know, pretending to be somebody that they're not to like, uh, you know, having an all out physical fight with the former housekeeper and yeah. uh you know the spoiler alert if you haven't seen parasite <laughs> which if you haven't seen it by now like what tf are you doing um but you know and uh but they 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 have uh you know they have sometimes there are moments where they like have to get physical and get into physical yeah. fights and yeah. you know and and it, the film gets very violent and i think but I think like that is part of what makes it such an interesting and riveting watch. Uh, yeah, with those characters, and I think like this film could have used a little more of that with Will. Yeah, absolutely. The line that gets me in Parasite is they're all sat around like um, whilst the the rich family are oh you know going camping, um, and they're talking about how nice the rich family are, and then the mum of the poorer family says. Um, well, it's really easy to be nice if you're that rich. Yeah. And that that's what we're missing from this film is the rich mm-hmm. people are just like, oh, they're obviously pure evil. And we and it's just like, look how pure evil all of these characters are. And I just think that's just not, that's not how life works. Rich people can be really nice because that that's a luxury they have. That's part of their privilege is yeah. I can be as nice as I like to anyone because I know at the end of the day, I get to go back to my mansion and I'm never going to get hurt by anything because I have all the money in the world to stop it. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, showing that and those different sort of like shades of gray of all of these situations is more interesting. Um, and, and I feel like, yeah, the moment he arrived in new Greenwich, you know, this image that had been built up of the rich people, was lost because Mm -hmm. again it was that this reveal just didn't work because we there was nothing off you know there was nothing off about Justin Timberlake but then there was nothing off about Sylvia she's Mm -hmm. you know she's too nice you know again make her someone who can just like at the turn of a hat can just like be a, a bad person or can be you know do something that is just like oh that's not nice that's that you know it, <laughs> hey that's not nice <laughs> yeah <laughs> what's up with that i mean i i think yeah i don't know i i just think there's so so much of a missed opportunity in in all of that i think the other thing as well and i guess where i would start to like take issue especially with the design is that new greenwich one didn't look that much nicer than nope <laughs> 
<laughs> like yeah. um, whatever it's called, like Zone Twelve or whatever. Yeah, it, it was just like this is a fine place. Like it's okay. Like it. Yeah, like show there are a couple me, of office buildings. Yeah, like show me elegance. Show me extravagance. Show right. me like what it is about this place that makes me want to be here. And you mm-hmm. can do that in an amazing reveal in that montage where. Um, Will is in the car going through from zone to zone and we can see this slow gradual okay like we're in this like sort of downtown sort of grimy area then we then he can go to like the suburbs and and it's like this is middle class them going through several time zones and this is like you know everyone has gets bigger and bigger houses bigger and bigger lawns and then finally he hits like the you know new Greenwich and it's like oh wow this is wealth and, and the other issue I had with New Greenwich is there are so many people there. Yeah. How would it be possible for all of these people to have exactly. so much like, time? Show me exclusivity. Show me how the wealthy are a small part of the population. And you either do that by showing the masses that are in the lower zones, which they obviously couldn't do because it's, it's, it's clear there's a kind of budget restraint in how many, you know, like the shots of extras are quite clearly like put together so that they can, you know, here's a hundred yeah. people that we can shoot for one day. And then like, we never have to pay them again. That's fine. Um, yeah. Like, sh- you know, if you can only show me that many people in the, in the sort of deprived area then when you get to the wealthy area you have to show me the exclusivity of it why why not make it that when he goes to um you know vice's philip vice's um party that, that there's like you know like 15 people there and it can have this really weird vibe because it's like why, oh like, like there's why only is it 15 so people, people wealthy enough to party. be here yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh is this social distancing yeah, he's, he's yeah. He's like, yeah, oh, sorry, we're a, just social. I'm having a Rona so. party in my back garden. Like, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. all have to stay at least six feet away from each other. Um, yeah, I think yeah. that there, and I think also like I would have, yeah, I think I would have liked to have seen like maybe a shot or two more of like making, yeah, making the distinction between um, the the poorest. Uh, areas in the wealthiest areas a little yeah. like more distinct and even like getting a shot or two of the the middle class I think would have been yeah. helpful because yeah. you know most people are middle class it's some in some area of that spectrum in you know in most like first world countries um and it's and like you know I I don't know exactly like how that dynamic would change you know a a hundred years from now, you know, 150 years from now with this kind of economic system and genetic engineering. But like, you know, uh, with the assumption that like, you know, most of the, like, you know, it is a, it's an American made movie. So let's say, you know, it's made with the assumption of like, you know, an audience that is, you know, coming at it from an America, an America centric point of view like the way that most people live is on some spectrum of a middle class or or working class um you know like there's yeah. a, it like not everybody is living in poverty although with the way things are going uh i don't know how long it's going to last but um you know so our conception of the way people live day to day is you know maybe you know you might be somebody watching this movie who lives paycheck to paycheck but it's not like you know, you're not necessarily living in a slum. And I think it's hard to conceive of like what, what the, what it's like for quote unquote people living normally 
or at least not with, you know, super, um, you know, extravagant, ridiculous wealth or yeah. you know, living in, you know, day to day poverty. I think to get a sense of like, what, how, well, how do most people live? You know, or at least how does yeah. the middle class live in this? I think, I, yeah, I think how, the, how does the middle class live would be interesting to see. I think, I mean, I, yeah, I think in some ways I, what I found interesting about the lowest zone is that those weren't people who were in like abject poverty because the mm-hmm. whole point of this film is when you get to abject poverty, you instantly die. Right. And that's the system they live in. And that's what I found interesting because those people in the lowest zone, they are working class people. They show yeah. up to work every day. Like very few people can get benefits because there's nothing to go around. And I found that interesting, mm-hmm. but I would be intrigued to see the middle classes. Maybe even, you know, like a hundred years gets Will to like the upper echelons of middle classdom, but then he has to like gamble and cheat his way through that to get himself into New Greenwich. Yeah, and that might it be felt interesting a little to see. easy for him to just yeah fly through I all think, the time zones. On I think century. so. Yeah. Well, okay. So let's go back a little bit into the plot just quickly. So we. His his mm-hmm. mom dies. He's decided, okay, I'm going to use this century to get to New Greenwich and to take on the wealthy. I kind of see, yeah, I kind of I like this idea of maybe him stopping off in one of the the sort of upper middle class zones. And to him, again, all of this is still like, wow, this is amazing. Right. But it's not quite as amazing as New Greenwich is going to be. But again, it gives us a bit of anticipation towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what we talked about before. This film. Two of the things I, you know, we keep bringing up on this podcast is urgency and anticipation, and this film lacks either of those things. Yeah. You know, it, it, and those are, and it's a film about time, and yet I never had a sense of urgency at any point in this film. Like apart from the bit just before his mum dies, like, and that just seems yeah. crazy to me. Um, and then also a sense of anticipation again, like that feeds into what your film is about. It's about time, and if you're holding back on certain revelations that's really interesting because we the audience have to waste you know have to spend time to to reach that revelation it's, yeah. it feeds into what this film's about so anyway so I, I think having spend some time in in the upper middle classes um that could just be you know like a short like 10 minute sequence where he sees what that wealth is and then he finds a way within that of like gaining more wealth whether that be through gambling like we see later on or even through like the arm wrestle thing although Mm. i kind of feel like if you were to create this genetic system where you know everyone's money is attached to their arm via time you would find a fail safe that meant like you couldn't give that money away unless you wanted to Right. I don't know. Like, uh, I I feel like that's a weaker aspect of like the world that they build. I feel like there should be some kind of fail safe that is like some kind of way of like you consenting to giving that money away. Um, right. I don't know. Um. Anyway, yeah. And and then I think you know you can have him get that extra money, get him to you know finally to New Greenwich. He sees like how amazing that is. Maybe that's the moment where he meets Sylvia. Maybe he meets her you know, actually meets her without her father there. And that could be interesting. And she's so like interested in him. And that's when he decides to use her to get close to her father, potentially. And then I think maybe the ending of the film to to lessen the scale is he gets himself to that party at her father's house. And he decides that the way that he's going to enact change is kill the dad. Yeah. And, uh, but then, you know, maybe he kills the dad he gets taken off by the timekeepers who would end up having a much smaller role in this film. Um, and that's the, or maybe even he escapes 
but then that's the end of the film and there's nothing more to it. Which kind of, I do feel now like we're slightly ripping off Parasite, but I think that's fine. Uh, yeah, it's it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fine. I mean, like, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I guess with the role of the timekeepers, perhaps in in our new version, we'd yeah, we'd have to kill our darlings a little bit because I think, yeah. which is a you know, and it's a bummer to make their roles smaller, even if it might be necessary, just because I think like it's interesting to get at least some sense of like the people who uphold the system but are simultaneously being oppressed by it. And up yeah. the system because it, they think it's their the only way that they can survive. I, I guess for me, I don't know. I, I kind of in the current climate, I watched the film and I just saw the timekeepers as an analogy for cops, and I just kind of <laughs> thought, defund the timekeepers. Like, <laughs> yeah, defund hashtag defund the timekeepers. Yeah, well, um, I mean, <laughs> like, which yeah, is not to make they, fun of defund the police because I think no, it is I, very I'm not, and I'm not making fun of it. Yeah, I, and, absolutely. And that's not. exactly what I'm saying. Is I, yeah. I'm thinking like that to me, they felt like surrogate cops, and I felt yeah. like making this whole thing about how like, oh, they're also part of the system and it's a struggle for them. I'm like, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And, and I think there's probably some truth in that. But in the current situation, I, the way I was viewing it, you know, and I guess they weren't thinking about that in 2011 necessarily, right. was actually, wouldn't the system be better without timekeepers? And, 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 uh, and actually, if, if we were to make timekeepers a central part of the film, well, maybe we should make Will Solace a black guy and we sh- and we mm, should make, yeah. you know, we should bring in a, a racial element into the film and, and combine that with class and look at the sort of intersection between those two things. Yeah. Um, and I think that I think there's a value in that. And, and I, I think that I would be well up for, even if we didn't make Timekeepers a bigger thing in it, making Will a, a black guy because having a young black protagonist would be good. Um, but also actually, you know, that, that thing of like there's certain like signs of like his poverty, but like if he reached new Greenwich and he was the only black guy there, I think that would be a really interesting visual cue of the system that he's a part of. And I think that that would be a really interesting to play a thing to play on as well and to play on class, but also on, on uh, racial hierarchy as well. And and the way that those two things interact. Yeah. Because they are so tied to each other that they yeah. reinforce each other in in our world. So I think yeah, I think that would be an interesting um element to add that I that yeah, now that you mention it kind of feels a little lacking. Like I mean, you know, we've we've had plenty of films and especially plenty of stories in science fiction that are like capitalism is bad. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we get it. We know that. But you know, oftentimes they do neglect the intersectional elements of that you know, yeah. economic oppression and yeah. the biggest, um, you know, uh, element that reinforces that oppression has always been race. So I feel like that yeah. would add a little, well, especially that would America add more. Well. Yeah. Um, but I think that would add more texture to, um, yeah. to this, to this story. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I don't think it's taking away from, cause I, I also think it's important to have, narratives that are about white working class people that's a specific experience but i think you can also see that in you know you can use the character of his best friend who i'm is called boral but i'm not going to allow him to be called boral (laughs) in our version Um, he's not going to be called boral yeah but you you know in in those first two acts as we've talked about which will spend more time in that you know the lower economic zone Mm -hmm. um we can see 
the impact for a white working class guy as well as a black working sure. class guy. Yeah. We can see and we can see the differences and also the the similarities. And I think that that would be interesting to see. And maybe that's where the timekeepers come in as well. And you can mm-hmm. have, you know, I I mean, you know, it's kind of a, a well-used trope when looking at race, but having, you know, something along the lines of like Will being pulled over or, or, or you know, being bothered by the timekeepers, what might be a, you know, an interesting idea to just include that as a short scene towards the beginning of the film mm-hmm. and, and Borrell not being bothered in the same way. And, right. and I think that that, you know, that's a way of kind of looking at those two things as well. Um, and, and like I said, I think it, it gives a sort of stark visual cue as to the inequality in the society when we get to the end and he reaches, um, you know, this upper echelon of society. Um, yeah. Okay. And and uh, the, the other idea thought I had is is the escape scene from that party, which mm-hmm. maybe you could even make that the the sort of finale, the the final moment. Um, I would really like to see that as a single take because, mm. and not just because you know because of the gimmick, but actually I think maybe at that moment we can have the timekeepers have taken Will's time down to rather than two hours, like two minutes. And then we can have this two minute single take of him escaping time. from the house and trying to get to one of the timekeepers' cars to take their, you know, their time from them. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really interesting to see because yeah, that's the power of the single take is we see mm-hmm. time as it plays out. And I would I would love to see that happen at yeah. some point in this film. Maybe not at that moment, but at some point use a single take to show that progression of time in real time. Yeah. Actually, now that you mentioned it, it is kind of shocking that this film doesn't do anything like that, except yeah. for maybe the the final seconds of Henry Hamilton's life. I don't think after that, yeah. I've ne- there was never a moment in the film that we like stopped and felt the time itself. Yeah. Um, and I, oh, and I think know- that placement of that single take would be really powerful even yeah and even if you did a kind of stylized like split screen and you're seeing on one half of the screen the arm ticking down and on the other half of the screen the single take of him trying to escape Mm -hmm. maybe even like pushing the boundaries of our sort of um idea of reality as an audience that far would be Mm -hmm. interesting um and I, i wouldn't be against that um Yeah, I just think that that is something that's missing. And it's something, again, that would give this sense of urgency to this film, this sense of danger. Um, Without, you know, having to have world-ending stakes, you can give a sense of danger that are personal. Um, Mm -hmm. And that would be interesting. Uh, Yeah, and I think that was kind of like what gets lost a little bit in in the third act. Especially, I think, especially for Sylvia, because it's just sort of like, oh, well, you know, I want to be free from my father and <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like yeah. i don't know and i i think i honestly think too there's too many villains that yeah. like they're yeah, on I the agree. run from uh they're on the run from uh philip philippe they're on the run from philippe they're on the run from uh the timekeepers they're on the run from uh the the minute men yeah led by <laughs> Alex See, I, for. I, I think he puts in a decent performance for, as a villain. He's all right. He's all right. But I, I think, again, like the Minutemen are villains who you could have them in the opening, but the moment that Will's got his century and he's left, you know, uh, the well, it's called a ghetto in this, isn't it? The yeah, moment he's we, left that, which, I don't know about that. Like, yeah, like, um, oh no. yeah, anyway. <laughs> but, you know, the, the moment he's left 
that place, the Minutemen can stop being villains within the film. We don't need to see them again. Yeah. They're, you know, they've their arc is finished. They've done their setup. They've done their payoff. We don't need that. And I think you're right. There becomes too many villains. And I think, again, like have making it more about the timekeepers being just an arm of the 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 overall villainy of the system just like mm-hmm. one part of it would be more interesting rather than making them a villain in and of themselves and making them act out against the system right because that doesn't make sense to me that's not what this is about mm-hmm. <laughs> um and and then you and then the, the villain becomes the system which is kind of like this idea that's kind of too broad for us to really wrap our heads around but actually that's the point you're making with the film because actually in the end when will tries to take the system down it's too broad for him to even get his head around and so he he can't really make a difference Mm -hmm. and i think that would be a really interesting kind of final note to leave the film on yeah something that like you know i I think still could be very open-ended but also reckons with the um gargantuan and near impossible task of toppling that system because yeah. you know in in our world you know obviously it's it's not dystopian in the way that this is dystopian in that kind of sci-fi way but there are dystopian elements in our real lives and you know capitalism and you know th- those sorts of massive systems are not ones that can be torn down in one fell swoop from the you know heroic actions of one person that they they have to be worked at to be dismantled Um, yeah and and i wonder if maybe there's something at the end that can give us an indication that you know that's the ultimate path for him or or if that's the the ultimate way of of toppling the system or just leaving it ambiguous i think that works too of or even even on the pessimistic side i i like the idea of of having some ambiguity but i you know th- this film is earnest and i think maybe we we try and attempt to find some kind of hopeful uh resolution for the end yeah i i think maybe maybe he kills the dad and we see in it you know we see the escape and that can be a side of a kind of exciting finale. And then for the sort of denouement, you know, it can be, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I don't want to use like, I, th- I feel like the, the most effective way, maybe use like a news report or something like that. Maybe he's catching his breath and he sees a news report and we see how little impact it's made, but mm-hmm. maybe something in that news report sort of tees up the impact that that's had on the system, but actually like the way that the system has protected itself. For example, like it can just say something as simple as like, you know, that money has been, you know, the, you know, the money that vice had or whatever, or the money that he stole, like has been, you know, the, maybe even like the vice family has been bailed out and, yeah, and, and, and that money has been given back to them or something like that. Yeah. Um, again, like this film feels so in the shadow of 2008 financial crisis yeah. and maybe using something that is literally a parallel of that, you know, at the end he kills, you know, Philippe Weiss, he steals some of his money and then we see in a news report and he sees in a news report that that money has been returned to him by government funds, taxing citizens for that money. Mm. And that's kind of the note we're left on. And maybe, you know, it's an acknowledgement by him that the way to topple the system is broader than he imagined. And there's a kind of, I guess, a hopeful turn there that there is something he can do, but also, yeah, I guess a pretty realistic 
pessimistic view of, of the way the system kind of bounces back. Well, I think there's a way to do both. Um, yeah. You know, and I, and I am, and you know, I am kind of miffed that given that it's a film that was made in 2011. So like mm. you said, was still, you know, the, the, you know, the economy, I think was still, reeling from the 2008 financial crisis that oh, it was, still is was, now but it, yeah <laughs> it, is, it still is now but you know we we were on the up and up and then coronavirus but um yeah you know uh we we hadn't quite begun you know any recovery yet and i'm surprised that a film that has so much to do with like the evils of capitalism doesn't feel like it's really tying into the cultural zeitgeist of you know the aftermath of uh you know and the beginnings of the great recession Um, yeah and and there is kind of a sense as well like that that there's this sense that his giving of money to poorer people is not about breaking the system but about helping them move up the system as it is which is such a it's such a weak view of the capitalist yeah, system. Yeah, and it doesn't quite, like, quite track with their philosophy because they're always saying, like, in the movie, like, once they decide they're going to do it, like, we were, like, we're going to end the system. You know, we're going to yeah. break the system. But what yeah. they're doing doesn't really break the system. It just, like, it just temporarily gives people more upward mobility. But that yeah, doesn't exactly. solve the root of the problem, which is that people's uh, lifespans are, are used as currency, yeah. Um, so that doesn't really solve that issue. All it does is it like, you know, prolongs their lives, but it doesn't, it doesn't break the system of tying yeah. their lives to money. Yeah. And, and, and what Will can be doing at the end is, is, is if we have it where it feels like he is convinced that what he is doing is going to break the system but in a way that is almost slightly unhinged mm-hmm. when it doesn't break the system. Uh, it's a surprise for him and for us. Right. Um, and, and that's the revelation that can be made. Um, one more revelation as well that can be made in the film that I think was missed out and is kind of touched on, but doesn't really like, we never see it like spelled out to us, which would be good. Is this, this idea that trickle down economics doesn't work because there's still kind of this belief that, well, if vice, you know, lends his money to us and stuff, and that's the way money gets through from the richer to the poorer, then there is an idea that trickle down could work and, and trickle down economics doesn't work. Or at least I think that's the view that this film should be taking. And mm-hmm. it's the view that I personally would take. Um, and, and I think, you know, part of that is is that the scene where Will goes to the casino and they say, oh, we have a charge for non-members. It's a year. Um, and it's for this casino. And I think what that shows is like, oh, all of the money spent by those in New Greenwich is spent in New Greenwich. That right. money doesn't go elsewhere. And I think that that's really an important idea to get across is that what these time zones do is they not only split people by wealth, but it keeps all of the money in one place. Mm-hmm. And that that money, you know, and this is an idea that is is a fact within our society. Wealthy people buy luxury goods. That money does not go beyond right. those luxury goods they're buying. And so the money doesn't trickle down. They create their own bubble within the economy that they're working within. Right. I would really like Will to have that revelation at some point in the third act 
And maybe that's like the last thing that pushes him to try and break the system. Right. That if once, I can once, move this money out, then that somehow will fix the problem. Yeah. Once he's accelerated through and he's seen what the wealth looks like, he knows that the system is broken. And that's what pushes him to finally act. And I think that that would be interesting. And I think it's a valuable thing to show on screen. And I think that's, and that would be, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know exactly how you put that ac across visually. Like I say, I think that moment in the casino is like pushing us towards thinking that as an audience, but it doesn't quite get there. And I think like, honestly, I, I, I'm that I feel like the sort of the sequence of, of him, you know, at the casino and then like, you know, buying the car there, you could have like a, like a series of like him just like, you know, having a moment where he's just enjoying the money, the time that yeah. he has. And yeah. he's like going on the spending spree and then has this moment of realization that like, oh, I spent all this money and it just stayed here and it didn't yes. go anywhere. That's exactly the way to do it. That is exactly the way to do it. And maybe maybe when he's first going to New Greenwich, it's like, I'm going to New Greenwich for my mum. Mm -hmm. Not to take the system down, but because she always wanted to see it. Mm -hmm. And and that's what he's doing. And it's only when he's there that he sees that this is a system that needs dismantling. Right. I think that's such an interesting way of showing that. And it's such a filmic way of showing that. I really enjoyed right. the scene where he's buying the car. And the guy's <laughs> like, oh, do you want to display it? Like, we can get it delivered. You can display it. And he's like, no, I want to drive it. I think that's so good. I, I Like, yeah. that's good. But, like, let's show a few of those things. And let's see right. him realize that none of that money is going anywhere but right where he is. You know, yeah. like, you know, he tips the waitress there a week. And, um, and she's like, Oh, thank you. And I, I was just like, Oh, where, where are these service, you know, the, the, these service industry jobs, where are mm -hmm. they coming from? Those people, are they coming, are they bussing in every day from the lower economic zones? And it's like, you know, maybe because they've got a job there, they don't have to pay the toll every time. Or is it that actually these people in the service jobs here already, ex already existed within New Greenwich? And maybe they're all like particularly young people and it's like, you know, like rich kids that get a summer job or whatever or to mm -hmm. pay for their gap year or whatever. Like I, I and I would kind of like to explore that. Maybe he tips her a week because he thinks, oh, she's in a service job. She must be poor. But maybe she's not poor at all. And maybe mm -hmm. he sees that somehow. And I think that that would be really interesting as well to see that that money doesn't go anywhere but right where it is and, right and showing you can't even tip anybody and be doing a good thing because it's that person is from within the bubble yeah so they already have plenty yeah exactly yeah yeah well i mean i think that that's to me i i see that as we we've kind of like pushed the story into a place where it's giving us as much out of the premise as possible yeah. um, by showing us more of the world building uh, using the inciting incident of the death of his mom later in the film and then pushing the third act into being a, a quicker um, harder hitting faster paced uh, sort of revenge plot and I yeah. think that's interesting I think one, one thing I did want to bring up be, yeah. before we wrapped up was um, this odd, like, bit of information that we're given that, like, we're, we call back to a couple times throughout the film, but it's, like, there's never enough time, ha ha ha, to, um, to actually, like, expand it or, like, have really any implications, which I think, it, it, like, there's, a, there's a, a couple of moments where they refer to Will's father, which I thought yeah. was kind of strange because nothing yeah. really comes of it, and I think it, it might have been just, like, a weak attempt at 
more world building. Um, but because nothing comes of it within the film, I thought to myself, well, why even mention it? But I they think I can't remember the first time it's mentioned or it's right in that first it's the first scene between him and and his mum and he says i can fight like dad and she's like no you yeah no (laughs) no 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 and then he comes back (laughs) and then it comes back later when uh raymond the timekeeper arrests will um and you know will says something to the effect of like you know uh like uh oh if uh you know if you're arresting me for stealing you should arrest everybody else here at this fancy party um and you're just like whoa like air horn noise (laughs) 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 then raymond turns around and he's like yeah the last time i heard somebody talk like that was 50 years ago or something it was your father it was your dad (laughs) yeah and i'm like why say that if nothing's gonna happen with it i and and the cynic in me says that it's it's like well maybe this has franchise promise and he he could be right right right. that could be a a prequel or whatever um yeah it's so weak i i i would take it all out right like the implication could just be like you know he had a father and he timed out because he's because he's just another casualty because everyone yeah yeah Yeah. because everyone you know at some point you know these these people in um you know in dayton which is a um time zone the city that they're living in um at at the beginning which is like the, the lowest rung um, you know, everybody's living day to day and they might be doing that for, you know, living day to day for, you know, 50 years at a time. Like there's no limit to how long they can be doing it, but eventually yeah. you're going to have one bad day. Like what happens to, uh, Will's mother, Rachel, that yeah. like you just have a, a bad day where you don't have enough money for the bus or you, you made the payment, but then, you know, you, like it's more than you budgeted and you time out and that's just the way that these people live and like his father could have been one of those casualties exactly yeah and and i think seeing more of that world as well is the opportunity to show that day-to-day living you know like the first casualty we see is that guy who's like dead on his way into work and we just see him dead why not give us a cue you know will's like in the queue like waiting to get into work and there's this guy who's like getting more and more like worked up about getting into work and they're like why is he you know why is he so worked up and what and then he just times out in front of them mm-hmm. and that becomes a powerful moment and it, it can be a driving force that pushes will later on because you know maybe it reminds him of, of his dad and the way his dad timed out i don't know but I, I think that that's an interesting yeah an interesting angle on that and it shows us more of the Again, there's no danger in being poor because they all live day to day, but there's only we only see one example of someone having a bad day and therefore timing out. And that example is not developed prior to it happening. Mm-hmm. I, I think actually you can show us more of that. Have people timing out all over the place. Like there's this there's this right. implication that like the rich are like hiking up the prices because the population is getting too big. Right. Well, show us a bit of that. Yeah. Yeah, for for that for them to mention that like that plot of yeah. of the wealthy people, but then to not show us like how it's overpopulated or ha- like the effects of you know raising the cost of living is that is now causing like mass casualty. Yeah, um, is is bizarre and kind of a missed opportunity to make the 
to fill out the world. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And and I think as well, like, I mean, you mentioned it before, just like that line of like, um, you know, is it stealing if if all of it's already stolen? It's just like, it's such a, it's such a simplified idea mm-hmm. of what this film might be getting at. And I don't think this film needs to deal in simplicity. Uh, no. because, because of the high concept, it takes it along with, it takes us along with it. Um, and, and so it doesn't need a, a kind of quippy, like, you know, if you take anything from this movie, take this kind of thing, yeah. because it's, it has the opportunity to be very experiential and, and give us more than just, you know, his one line to like sum up capitalism in right. a pretty poor way. Like, uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah. And I think, sh- yeah, showing is is just the key thing. Just show us that system. Mm-hmm. Show us the effect of it. Show us the damage of it. And and that's kind of like that's what this film fails to do, I think. Overall, and that's what by giving us more time in the deprived area, giving us an anticipation, you know, an anticipatory feel towards right. that, you know, New Greenwich is this like haven or like heaven. You know, kind of like, you know, another like kind of bad film that's taking, you know, doing a sort of dystopian take on um, the class system is Elysium. I don't know if you ever saw that no. with Matt Damon. It's, I mean, it's not good. <laughs> but <laughs> perhaps I mean, a future maybe, episode. Maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe we will because again, I think there's there's promise in the premise. Um, yeah. Like the whole idea is that like all the poor people live on the ground, and then all of the rich people live in Elysium, which is this like floating island. Mm. Um, and up on Elysium, they have a cure for every disease. Um, yeah. And I think that there's a bit what Elysium does better is it, it kind of shows us just how grimy life on the bottom is. Right. And it, and it really holds back on showing us Elysium. We don't see it until the last half hour of the film. And so then when we do, we're like, Oh wow, this is so different. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what this film is missing. Um, and, and I think it's quite easy to fix that. So yeah. yeah. I think uh, we could talk about fix it. Um, I mean, it I sounds that, like we've yeah. done it. I think so. I trying to think of, I'm just looking through my notes. Are you gonna leave in all of this audio of you like mumbling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I don't know why the sound of your voice as it like was turning away from the mic was so funny to me. (laughs) Oh, there. I do have this note. I will just cut this. Uh, I'll just cut it later. But I I wrote down. um, I wrote down such a weak third act. And then the next note is, oh, that was the second act, lol. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I just thought that. the film was wrapping up. But then it just, uh, yep. that was when the Bonnie and Clyde stuff started. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, all right. And then yeah. somehow the third act was still not good. <laughs> now we're on to our famous segment. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> that always of... somehow gets violently derailed. <laughs> um the famous segment of would you do try this at home um <laughs> i i think for this one i think for this one we kind of been playing with uh the format of this segment yeah i have without warning you <laughs> yeah you just like i i think for this one i'm gonna say like you know like pinewood studios uh whatever <laughs> studios they have in la <laughs> <laughs> they're all they're all reopening after the the rona after the um, Ro- well it's not it's not, it, rona's not gone over no no here. no i'm i'm saying this is like no it's not gone here either <laughs> I'm, I'm saying like in the, fu- oh, in the okay, future oh yeah okay yeah this is hypothetical future 
they they are reopening in the future. Let's say the Rona has been you know, Let's be optimistic. It's a year from now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and by and some re- for some reason they're like yeah. hey you person who has yeah. never made a feature before well yeah what they they say like oh like you know we we don't have time to oh man what I, just <laughs> land on time we don't have time to come up with any new ideas we just need to do reboots of high concept sci-fi genre films from 2011 yeah. and and they're like harrison are you in and <laughs> you in? and you and they say, and you're like, oh, what film? And they say, just in time. No, wait, it's not even called just in time. <laughs> just in time. <laughs> I think that would probably be my only argument against not casting Justin Timberlake. Because <laughs> that, like, that pun is so, like, in your it's face. It's so ripe. It's so ripe. <laughs> okay, they say the film. Anyway. The film. The film Harrison is is in time. You remember, <laughs> you remember in it. time. I mean, like, yeah, I love say, that movie when I was thirteen. Yeah, and they say, well, can you make it a movie that you love now? What do you say? <laughs> I I will say I will say yes, but I'm also yeah. gonna I'm also gonna suggest making it into a, a miniseries or a series. Ooh, okay, yeah, no, I'm you know, for a la like Watchmen, because I think like yeah. I think it yeah. would it would be really fun and interesting and uh engaging and i think even possibly even easier to like yeah. explore these concepts and themes with that conceit if you had more time to just live in the world yeah i mean let's say we have a six hour miniseries and at the end of the first hour he gets a century at the end of the second hour his mum dies mm-hmm. then you have four hours to play with where we can see it go all the way to fruition yeah, I'm well up for that. I, I, I think <laughs> that makes sense. I'm, I'm up for it. <laughs> I'm in. Where do I sign? <laughs> yeah, where's um, my contract? Would you? Yeah, would you? I, I would, mean, you would you make it? Yeah, I I would make it. I would say like, give me my boy Roger Deakins again. I want to see him, you know, yeah. capture this world again. And we didn't really we didn't get into it too much, but I, I think there are sort of weaker elements of the design, and mm. I would, you know, wanted to kind of push into that. I mean, we kind of got into it in that, like, you know. New Greenwich looks like shit. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow! All the all the money in the world can't buy you taste. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys <laughs> That's just like the lesson like, of the film? Do you have like no architects or what? Like, <laughs> yeah, they don't pay them enough. Yeah, they all um, timed out. <laughs> the <architects>. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh no! Now what do we do? um yeah so there you are uh i'd do it yeah yeah and i i'd be interested in not only playing with a story but playing with again like how can we make more of this cast or a new cast because Mm. i think that's such a weakness in this film is this cast are not reaching their potential as the premise isn't yeah okay cool uh nice we did it nice we did it we did it again every time (laughs) <laughs> every time nailed every it every time nailed it nailed it okay um, what else do we do oh yeah uh, Harrison <laughs> yeah let's say people wanna you know fill some of your time how can they find you online uh, well if you wanna waste my time online <laughs> you can you can find me uh, on Instagram at Harrison who uh, alternatively on Twitter at 
Harrison Gale who? Uh, or on Letterboxd. Uh, search my name, Harrison, then last name Gale under members, and you'll find me. Noise. <laughs> uh, and and you, Caleb, where no, can where can ask. people waste your time online? Um, yeah, if you if you want to waste my time, I'm on all of those platforms: Twitter, Instagram, Blabboxed. Uh, I was going to say TikTok, swear? but I I'm not on TikTok. I don't I don't oh, want to do that. Who am I kidding? I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxed at and Caleb Lebster. C a l e b l e b s t e r. Check it out. Let me know what you thought of this. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to make some social media accounts for this at some point. It's on my to-do list. I'll get there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, to be honest, by the time this episode's out, I probably will have done it. Right. So then I'll just put a little message, like, let's say here. Oh, yeah, or in the description, yeah. I was going to, like, I was going to cut in. Oh, like true. You could, you could do that, too. I could still do that, and then I could it could cut back to me saying I'll cut in here. And yeah. Then, yeah. How long? How long do you think it'll take for us to get a mattress sponsorship? <laughs> depends. <laughs> depends on the mattress. Yeah, like you're like you're listening to Do Try This at Home, uh, sponsored by Casper. <laughs> oh, we're not even. Are we gonna? Oh, you're saying we, we should do the sponsors now? Yeah, and then, and then we'll them edit in. them in. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, <laughs> still manifesting. <laughs> um. Okay. Anyway, I think it's gonna take more than five episodes of this. <laughs> I mean, who's to say? Who's I've got say? plenty of time. Oh. All right. Um, oh. Yeah. Thanks for listening, and uh, sorry we wasted your time. Yeah, <laughs> that should be our sign-off every <laughs> every time. Sorry we of, wasted your time. Well, instead of we did do try this at home, we're gonna say sorry we wasted your time. Yeah. <laughs>